Oh, let's just close our eyes. I know we've been worshipping and we've been praying, but I think it would be just so great to invite the Lord now to speak to us. It's a time to hear his voice. Maybe you have already, actually, in the worship, but he wants to speak more and direct our feet into his purposes, really, his plan for our lives, personally as individuals and also together as a body of people. So, Lord... I believe I pray this on behalf of everybody here and everybody listening. We ask you to speak. More than ever, we need your voice, Lord. The voice of the shepherd. You are our great shepherd, our good shepherd, the overseer of our souls. Thank you. You care for us, Lord, more than we even know, more than we've ever imagined, Lord. Your heart is so much bigger, so much wider, so much deeper than anything we've ever heard or even imagined. But Lord, I pray through your word this morning that we'll, we'll hear your thoughts, but also that we'll know your heart, the Father heart. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, and let it be. Well, what a fantastic time of worship that was. Did anybody meet with the Lord? I know I did. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Lord. Um, we're going to hear a message this morning on believing prayer. Last weekend, Catherine and Sam brought a brilliant message, if you were here or watching online, um, on prayer and actually praying and not giving up. And I want to speak this morning on believing prayer, which actually is the only prayer that really works. Um, the Lord wants us to pray. He wants all of us to pray because it's really simple. He wants to answer. He wants us to pray because he wants to answer. And he wants to do people good. He wants to do you and I good. He wants to do people good. And he wants to show that he is good. He's real, he's good, and he's powerful. I'm just going to repeat those three things a few times because I think it's really good to know in a simple way who he is. God is real, God is good, and God is powerful. We need to know it as a conviction of heart, and as we get opportunity, that's what we need to share with people. God is real, God is good, and God is powerful. He is able. He's the way maker. He's able to bring change where it seems impossible for things to shift. And uh, I want to speak this morning about what happens, though, when you keep praying and you don't see change. <laughs> We're going to look at Hebrews 13, verse 8. I absolutely love this scripture. It does me good every time I read it or I you know, hear it. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm going to say that again. Jesus Christ, the one we read of in the book, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still good. You know, we read about him through the Gospels, don't we? That Jesus that was in human form, he's still good. He's still compassionate when he sees needs and trouble. He's still powerful. He's still able to work miracles. He's lost none of his power. Neither has he lost any of his heart to do people good. And we've seen miracles as a church. We've seen impossible situations bend and yield to our Jesus, to the name 
and authority of Jesus, we have seen evidence of God as a body, as a people. However, we don't always see answers to prayer. Let's be honest. And that's hard. You know, there are people amongst us who have had ongoing problems for many years. These niggling issues and sometimes big issues that don't seem to change despite the prayer. And despite the um, the use of the word and all the things that we know to do. And these things go on and we get disappointed and we get discouraged. And if we're not careful, it's, Smith Wigglesworth calls it a bog of unbelief. We can get into a bog of unbelief. And that's a very dangerous place to be in because the enemy takes full advantage of these situations. He's a wicked enemy. He's the sort of enemy that kicks when we're down. Um, but I want to speak into that this morning. I am in that category myself in that I've had a fairly long-term issue, health issue, that whilst I've seen some improvement, I haven't seen the full victory of what I'm believing for yet, as I know some of you are. And so when you read the word, but it doesn't match with your experience, it seems to contradict, what do we do? It's a really important question, and it's really important to know what to do at that point, you know, because we must not, above all things, we mustn't ignore it. When your word, when your experience doesn't match the word, we mustn't ignore it. Neither should we get angry at the Lord or disappointed in him, because the problem is never on his side. We have to be absolutely clear on that. There are issues maybe several issues, but they're never his issue, as in he's not the cause of it. Um, and so we need to go honestly and in humility to our Jesus. And I, there's a really powerful but very simple prayer to pray. I've prayed it many, many times. Help. Help. Help me, Lord. Help me see what you see. Help me hear what you need me to hear. Because my experience is not matching what I read. I believe this, but I'm not seeing it at this point. And, you know, just some very recent testimony. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, this week I've been moved by my feelings and my circumstances, which have not been matching up to the word. And I've got anxious about my health. And I've realized I need to go back to Jesus. I need to go back to Jesus. And I uh, went to a verse in Psalm 18. Love this verse. Love the whole of that chapter. Um, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He's a shield to all who trust in him. As for God, his way, he navigates a way through this minefield of life. You know, we're all faced with different things at different times. His way is perfect. we just got to follow him through. His word is proven. And he's a shield to all who trust in him. And what I realized is, if I was honest and I was honest with myself and him, my trust had kind of gone down. I wasn't really honestly trusting him at that point. Um, circumstances and symptoms... You know, they, they shout loud, don't they? They really compete to get our attention. And um, what can happen is your eyes get off him and you start looking at the problem. 
And it's really important what we're looking at, and it's really important what we're listening to. And I realize I need to get back to looking at Jesus. Not just the promise. I, I want to be, be really careful about how I'm going to explain this, right? The word is Jesus. Jesus is the word. But not just the promise, the person. I've been reading Pastor Collins' book uh, called True Faith. He's done this series called The True Series. They're just kind of small little books, but they're quite brilliant. He was an anointed man of God that brought the truth in a very clear way. And anyway, one of the things he says in this book, True Faith, is faith is a relationship with Jesus. So simple. Faith is a relationship with Jesus. So in other words, it's not just operating by principle. Right? It's not just a case of picking a word and kind of even just praying it. Because we can do that almost mechanically and operate with no reference to him. Do you know what I mean? I've done it. I'm sure you've done it, if we're honest. I need a word, that'll do. I'm going to pray that. Well, it just doesn't work because there's no relationship in that. Anyway, I'm going to explain that a bit more as I go on. But Hebrews 12.2 says he's the author and finisher of our faith. In other words, he starts it, he enables us to endure through the journey, and he will get us across the finish line so that we see the fulfillment of the promise he gives. I'm just going to take a drink, bear with me. Thank you. Anyway, I went to Psalm 91. When I was really challenged this week, I went to Psalm 91. For those of you who know your Bibles, you know Psalm 91 is a good one. Uh, Psalm 91 verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I love that. Don't you love that as a picture? I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Almighty there in Hebrew is El Shaddai. And it means eternally capable of being all that his people need. I dwell under the shadow of El Shaddai, the one who is eternally capable of being all that I need at any point of any day. Anyway, verse 2 goes on. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. I will say of the Lord. I've memorized this one. It's a really good one to memorize. I will say of the Lord... He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Now, I was praying that and I was, I was praying that out loud. And something unusual happened. I had a picture, a spirit-given picture of a horse. Now, I find that surprising. Had I been reading a scripture about a horse or horses, you know, you, you can imagine. You can imagine what you're reading, can't you? Uh, but there's no horse in that. Anyway, I saw this horse, and I can still see it now when I close my eyes. It was, you know how the, um, the coat of a horse, it's quite short, but it can be like velvet, can't it? It was really up close. It was like chestnut brown, and you could see how the light hit it, how the fur was moved in different directions. Anyway, and I saw the boot of the rider. It was a military boot. And immediately, I remembered in Psalm 20, verse 7, this verse... 
Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Let's say that together. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. We will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Now, I praise God for that scripture. It gives me some, you know, get up and go on the inside that it's like, come on, whose report will you believe? I will believe the report for the Lord. Who are you trusting in? King Jesus. Now, if you put the word in, the Holy Spirit can remind you of it. Jesus said in John 14, 26, he will bring to remembrance the things I've spoken to you, which is really why it's so good to put the word in. If the word is in, he can remind you of it. But with regard to this Psalm 20, verse 7, chariots and horses, they speak of battle, don't they? This is not dressage. Do you know what I mean? This is back in a time when chariots and horses <laughs> meant war, actually. Battle. So some trust in human help. That's what they symbolize. The efforts in the human realm. Some trust in human help to win their battles. We will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't answer our prayers sometimes with human help, human people, human resources. Um, but our trust must, uh, our eyes need to go higher than this realm. I'm thankful for the help in this realm, but my eyes are on you, Lord. But to keep trusting and to go through processes, many of us do with stuff. I'm so grateful for the instant answers. I'm so grateful for quick things, but very often it's process and it's journey. And to maintain our trust and actually grow our trust, which is what he's wanting to do, we've got to walk with him through the process. Now, I want to say something crucial this morning. The word needs to drop from here to here, from head to heart. We have a friend in Italy called Miriam, and she has this saying about certain, certain stuff, certain situations, and she'll just repeat, and she'll wave. She has, uh, she's very elegant, long fingers, and she waves her finger, and she'll go. She looks over the top of her glasses, and she'll go, crucial, crucial, crucial. And I, this, this is crucial, crucial, crucial. I can hear her. The word must drop from head to heart. In your life and my life, the word must drop from head to heart. Um, I thought so. I've turned over two pages here. Now I'm confused. Head knowledge is not enough. It's so great to know the word. It's so great to be able to confess the word and quote the word. It's important. And it's really important to mentally agree with the word. But actually, mental agreement is not faith. It's not real faith. It's not biblical faith. Because biblical faith is a matter of the heart. Romans 10, 10, with the heart one believes. You can't believe with your head. You can agree with your head, but you believe in your heart. It's another thing. Where does faith live? Not here. Here. Not in your head in your heart. Now, if I was to ask you this crucial question, where are you going when you die? When you physically die, where are you going to go? I'm sure most of us 
if not all of us, would be able to confidently answer, well, I'm going to heaven. I put my faith in Jesus. I know where I'm going. But that's not a head thing. You can't, you, you can't explain it here. It's a, I just know. I just know. I just know where I'm going when I die. I've got this confidence. I don't know in a way how. I just have this childlike, I'm going to heaven. I believe it. Nothing could persuade me otherwise. It's a heart faith. It's a real faith. That I'm using that to kind of help you identify what real faith feels like. You know it because you really do believe certain things. Real faith, biblical faith. So it's not of the head, it's of the heart. It's not mental or intellectual. It's a spiritual substance, actually. It's warm, it's living. It's the substance of God himself that's imparted into a human heart. Faith is the substance of things hopeful. There's a substance to it. It's a spiritual substance. And you either have it or you don't. We all have a measure of faith. If we're born again, Jesus says, I give you a measure of faith. But in certain situations, if we're honest, we don't really have faith. For certain testing situations and with certain people maybe in life, you either have faith or you don't. And actually, if you don't have faith, it's really good to know that, to not carry on pretending or ignoring, but, but to know, do I have faith for this or not? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm sure most of us know that scripture. And I don't know if you're like me. I suspect you probably are. You interpret that scripture as faith comes by hearing the word of God. But actually, it doesn't say that. You think, if I read the book, faith will come. Well, we're going to look at it backwards in a way. It actually says hearing comes by the word of God, doesn't it? Hearing comes by the word of God. So actually what the Logos word does, the Logos is the whole book. When we read the whole book or when we read any verse or any chapter of the book, it opens our ears to hear. The word brings hearing. It opens our ears to hear. So that when the Holy Spirit speaks... Faith comes. Come on. Faith comes. Jesus said in John 16, 14, he will take of what is mine and make it known to you. He'll glorify me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. So you read the word of God, the book, it unplugs your ears. Come on. So that the Holy Spirit can speak, something jumps off the page. You've had that. I've had that. Praise God. Glory to God. Because our ears have been opened by reading. And then the Holy Spirit speaks. It jumps off the page. And let me tell you, at that jump point, it's jumping not just off the page. It's jumping from head to heart. A very important journey from head to heart. You didn't have it, but now you do. You start reading, I wasn't in faith, but then this word just jumped off the page. Faith came. Faith came. He doesn't want us to struggle. You know, he really didn't want to make this life hard for us. 
He doesn't want us to struggle to try and find a word. Has anybody ever tried to find a word to fit this situation? Me too. He wants us to pray. And as we pray, a word is given. Or as we pray and read the word, something leaps off the page. A word is given. And you've, you've heard us say it many times, read until you can feed. Just read and pray. It, it may come then, it may not. But the point is you're opening your ear to hear. So when he does speak, my gosh, you're here and faith will come. And it's so important, so vitally important that we, we hear him and we receive that faith. So it's not a trying to believe. We can't, it's taken me a long time actually to, to realize and be absolutely convinced. I can't work faith up. I can't try and believe. I can't think my way into faith and neither can you. It's a gift. It's a grace gift. It's from God himself and it's given. It's given. It's the substance of God himself. And my gosh, it changes us, doesn't it? When you receive faith from him, it changes everything. It takes you out of natural perspective and, and down and under and defeated and just weighed down by your facts and your circumstances. Up, up, up. Like that eagle. To God's perspective, lifted up and over. It changes everything. Psalm 27, verses 5 and 6. I was reminded of this when I was preparing this week. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle or in his presence. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. The battle of the mind's an awful thing. We've all had it. Probably get it most days. Challenge. Challenge to what you want to believe, to what you read in scripture. Often it comes through your feelings and your thoughts because the enemy always operates in the realm of reason. He will whip us every time in the well, well, well of reason. Suddenly, <laughs> that went all very Disney. I can't think of the character. Uh, he, he will beat us in the realm of reason. He always does. That's why he tries to get us and keep us in that realm. Just thinking everything through, reasoning everything through, trying to look at it from a different angle, trying to find another natural solution. And the feelings then, the roller coaster feelings that go along with all of that. He beats us in the realm of reason. But if we will go to the Lord, that Psalm 27, just, he lifts. He sets us on a rock. And actually, he lifts your head above your enemies. Lifts your head. So that instead of believing what the enemy tells you the end of the story is going to be, no. God's right in the end of this story. What he says goes, and it will happen by the grace of God as I pray and walk with him through it. But you get his ability to believe what he says. Instead of trying to believe, it's like, oh, that grace gift is just imparted, and you believe. And actually, verse 14 of that same chapter, it says, wait on the Lord. 
Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He, he, he shall. He shall strengthen your heart. So when you get with God, he strengthens you. You didn't have strength, and now you do. You didn't have courage, and now you do. But it's a relationship with him. He enables us to have faith when we face issues that we wouldn't normally cope with. Anybody experience that? You faced an issue that maybe six months ago, a year ago, no way would you have coped with that. But by the grace of God, he gave you faith. He lifted you up and over so that you better than coped. Because actually he makes us more than conquerors. <laughs> you coped really well. You walked through your days amazingly because faith always brings a, a lift and a genuine joy not a trying to paint a smile on but a real I'm happy because I'm believing nothing's changed here yet but I know God is faithful he will do it God is faithful he will do it and so it's this looking to him hearing his voice the real faith comes I had um Revelation this week on such a simple thing. You know the verse in 1 John 5, 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. I don't know if you're like me. I've always read that or kind of in my head, it's, I've interpreted it. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Like I'm born again, you're born again, and therefore I can overcome the world by faith. The victory that overcomes the world is faith. But actually it says whatever. Now, what I understood is, if it's from God, it'll overcome the world. If what you see is from God, it's given to you so that you can overcome the world. If what you read is the Raymark highlighted, sent word by the Holy Spirit, that will enable you to overcome in every sphere, overcome the world. But it's got to move from head to heart. The word of God's seed, isn't it? There's power in it. There's life in it and there's power in it. Um, and Pastor Colin in his book, True Faith, he says, a seed in the hand won't grow. So simple. Seed in the hand won't grow. Your Bible in your hand won't grow. Your Bible on the shelf won't grow. Your Bible on an app on your phone, it won't grow. The seed is the word. And the heart is the soil, and the two need to meet. Yes. It's really quite simple. The seed's got to get into the heart. And um, how do we sow the word? I, I know a lot of you know this, but I think it's good to remember. We meditate. Read it over. Chew it over. Think about it. Pray it. And give thanks. Meditate. Pray. Give thanks. I realized, this is a, these sort of things help me. I realized, meditate, pray, give thanks. That's MPG, or miles per gallon, right? <laughs> it helps me to remember. So that flashes up on my car, on my dashboard, every time I turn the ignition on, MPG. I don't see miles per gallon anymore. I see meditate, pray, give thanks, come on, waiting at the traffic light, MPG. Meditate, not with your eyes closed. Pray. <laughs> Give thanks. When you're washing up, when you're going for a walk, meditate. Pray. Give thanks. Move that thing from here to here. That word from head to heart. 
probably close to 30 years ago, Pastor Judith and I went to Rochester, New York. And that was an amazing time. And we heard an amazing man of God bring a message on moving the word from head to heart. His name was Tony D'Anafrio. I've always remembered his name. This big Italian New Yorker. I was going to attempt the accent, but I know it will go rogue, so I'm not going to. But he just said, people, you've got to get the word from the head to the heart. I just kept, it's just 18 inches, folks. Just 18 inches from the head to the heart. Now, he was a big man. Out of curiosity, I got my tape measure out and measured what really is the distance from head to heart. For me, it's 10 inches. For you, it will probably be different, but... I don't care how short or how long your journey, the point is it's got to happen. That journey has to happen. Uh, we got to get the word to travel, MPG, meditate, pray, give thanks, meditate, think about it, chew on it, pray it, give thanks. Lord, you've said this. I believe it. Nothing's matching at the moment in my experience, but I trust you. And I'm going to keep on praying. It's good to know it here, but we need to have it here. It's good to know truth in your head, but we must have it in our hearts. Because actually it's when the word of God is in the heart. Boom. Faith comes. There's a spiritual activity. It's living, you see. It's like yeast. It's like putting yeast into flour. Uh, you know, I can't think, <laughs> bread, it's a very simple recipe, isn't it? Flour, yeast, bit of water starts to, it, it's activated, isn't it? But the word's only activated when it gets into the heart. So we really need to know the condition of our hearts. It's really important. Is there faith in there or not? You know, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. It actually says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? Now, I'm not going to say much about the disqualification bit, other than to say if there's sin or unforgiveness, which is a sin, going on in your life, you disqualify. God doesn't work where there's pollution. You know, we can't expect to have faith in the heart if there's wrong stuff going on in our lives. And actually, that sin and unforgiveness, there are two things that we need to deal with regularly, as often as we need to, and quick. Get them out, because actually we can't afford to lose faith. We can't afford, actually, to disqualify ourselves. 1 John 3, 21 if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. We really need to have confidence before God. When you and I go to pray, or wherever we are and start to pray, we need to find that when we pray, the confidence is there. We've not lost it because of stuff that's going on. In reality, in our, in our kind of lifestyles, or even in our heads and hearts. Anyway, enough of that. Back to the two Corinthians. So examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know that Jesus Christ is in you? I, isn't it amazing to acknowledge, yes. Jesus, you're in me. I find just by doing that, that helps my faith. 
a lot. We know he's here because he said he's here, here in you. But the acknowledgement of God, you're here, you're here in me. It's, it's a faith activator. Anyway, so we need to examine ourselves to see if we're in faith or not. There are many reasons as to why uh, we may not be in faith. Number one, quite simply, the word may just not be in there. It may still be in your head, but not your heart. If the word's not in your heart, faith's not there. The enemy may have stolen it. You may have been in faith, but for whatever reason, you lost it. It's been stolen or, you know, the parable of the sower is a really good um, passage of scripture that we need to kind of hold up to our lives all the time and say, where am I at in this story? Have the birds stolen it? You know, as the enemy, demons, it's symbolic of, birds of the air are always symbolic of demons. They've stolen it. Has trouble and persecution stolen it? Have I got other stuff growing up in here? Yeah, the word's in there. The word's in my heart, but there's some other stuff, seeds in there that are growing up as well. Thorns. Competing. There's only so much space in the heart. You know? So the good stuff, the good seed might be in there, but there, if there are other seeds of the enemy in there as well, growing up, thorns, cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches, it actually says it chokes the word. So whilst the word's in there, it's getting choked. So look, you know, examine yourself with that. Where am I at on that list? I hope I'm the noble heart, good soil that's grown up. But, um, you know, so that can be a reason why the word's not growing. If we're not in faith, basically, we need to make it a priority to get faith. Get with Jesus. Faith is a relationship with him. He's the author and finisher of it. A mustard seed of his faith can move a mountain. I read this this week. It blessed me so much. A man called Charles Price. Um, Real Faith for Healing, the book is called, but it's, it's a good one. It's a really good one. And he says this. Real faith weighs no more than a mustard seed and yet will do more than a ton of will and determination. Now, I'm going to finish with the story of human will and determination versus real faith. We're going to look at Matthew 17, verses 14 to 20. And when they'd come to the multitude, a man came to him, this is Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely. He's often, he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Imagine that. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, this is it's quite a rebuff in a way. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why didn't it work for us then? Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, didn't mince his words, didn't cover it over, it's because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, tiny speck, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, it will move. 
and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, I feel sorry for the disciples in this story. I don't know about you. I can relate to the disciples. I have been like them many times, puffing and panting and praying and commanding, trying everything I possibly know to do, and it's still not working. It's still not working because it's not formula. It's not a formula. It's a question of whether you have received that grace gift, that mustard seed that can move Ben Nevis, Everest, any mountain of any size, any huge, impossible, difficult situation in your life, a mustard seed of his faith can move it. So that when you pray or when you command, it's as if Jesus himself was doing it. I was reading Acts, this is just an aside, I was reading Acts about um, Peter and John when they went to the gate and they saw the lame man, you know the story well, and they said in the name of Jesus, what we have we give to you, get up and walk. And the man did. And it actually says, in fact I'm going to read it to you because... um, the little th- I like New King James uh, Bible, as you probably worked out by now. Um, I fox them there sometimes by throwing in an NIV bit. But um, in Acts, there's a thing, a description of what the power of the name is. I, ju- I, I want to read it to you straight. It's just in the Kingdom Dynamics box on Acts 3. It says, the use of another name to declare legal rights is called the power of attorney. This is the privileged power that Jesus has delegated to us in in confronting the retreating rule that sickness and Satan seek to sustain over mankind. We have the power of attorney. We've been given the privileged name that is above every name. But we can't use it, just tag it on to the end of any prayer and expect results. It's not that because it's not a formula. They went on to say when they were brought before the council through his name, by faith in his name, this man you see before you stands whole. But it's faith in his name. So when you use the name, there's a whole lot of authority and power behind it because there's faith, the faith of God himself. A mustard seed of his faith will move a mountain. When Jesus came onto that scene, There was no struggle. There was no shouting. He just spoke and the devil fled. There was no long battle. He just spoke and the devil fled because he operated in authority. And Lord, where I'm at is grow my faith. I, I am on this mission to see my faith grow because I know that everything, in fact, depends on it. Everything, it's the same for your life. Everything in your personal life, your family, your friends, us together as a church, we are family. We need to be praying for one another, but not any old prayer. Not repetitive, vain words. You think you'll be heard for your many words. He said you won't. It's not your repetition. It's believing prayer. The world needs us to be believing believers. My gosh, more than ever, the world needs us to be praying, but not just praying prayers, but praying, standing before 
our God in heaven, knowing who we're praying to and knowing that he will hear. And we're going to finish. We are going to pray for the Ukraine. I don't know if you've been watching the news. I'm sure many of you have. I think it's actually really important to watch the news. It's important what kind of news you're listening to. We need to be moved. And to be moved, you need to have information. You need to watch. Even if it's every other day, just a bit. Just listen to the headlines. But you know, the, the, it's heart-wrenching what's going on over there. And the seriousness of our days, we should be moved to pray. And as the Church of Jesus Christ, worldwide, we need to stand shoulder to shoulder in the spirit realm and pray for an end to this. This could go on for a long, long time. Well, in the name of Jesus, no. But we must pray. Um, I've been reading... Um, getting choked. I've been reading about Reese Howes. He was an intercessor, an amazing, amazing, anointed man of God. And he actually personally saw tens of thousands of people saved. But his main ministry was prayer. Of course, a house of prayer will become a gate of heaven. But he raised up an army of intercessors, and they prayed through major crises in the Second World War. It's just incredible what happened. The Spirit showed them in advance which countries and cities would be attacked by the enemy. They saw, and they prayed, and they were able to avert absolute disaster. You know, it's, it, it reads like the Old Testament when, when God's prophets were told what the evil king was going to do in advance so that they could stand and pray. This is what happened with this man and, and an army of intercessors that he raised in Wales uh, not many years ago. But we need to be intercessors who will stand in the gap in our time and care enough to meditate on the word it doesn't have to be a lot of scriptures, just key scriptures. Um, on Thursdays as a church, we're praying. We're taking the Ukraine in prayer. And we're sending scriptures to you just so that we can unite on the same scriptures and pray together. Contend as one man. Um, but really to stand before God and pray. And we're going to do that now this morning. If I can invite you to stand and the worship team forward. I just wanted to say... You know, when we pray like this, I think sometimes we can be tempted to think it's some sort of religious exercise, you know, like soldiers in training. We're not soldiers in training. This is a real war. Obviously, it's a real war for them. They're feeling it and seeing it all the time. But it's a real war in the spirit realm as well. And so this is not a military exercise. This is, we're going to come before the throne of grace. And pray for mercy and grace to help in time of need. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.